Welcome back to the Real Quick with Mike Swick podcast. Today's guest is Gavin Tucker, a fighter who recently won on UFC 256. I was watching the fight, and uh, I was just super impressed. Honestly, that is why I wanted to bring him on the podcast. I was impressed with his fighting style. Um, he came in against Quarantello, who was supposed to win the fight. I uh, was riding a huge win streak. You know, won 13 of his last 14 fights. He was bigger, longer, and Gavin just did an excellent job shutting him down. Uh, great pressure, uh, great momentum. So I did a little research on Gavin to, to try to find out more about him and, and just found some interesting things. And I wanted to just bring him on here. And, uh, you know, I think he's on the rise. I think he's a guy that's going to have some big fights coming up and, and move up in the rankings. So I thought it'd be a great time to catch him right now uh, at this moment and bring him on and, and pick his brain a little bit and, uh, and get to know him a little bit better. All right, Gavin, welcome to the show. Thanks, man. Good to be here. Yeah, it's good. It's good to uh, good to see your last fight. Congratulations. Thank you, sir. That was a uh, very impressive uh, victory against Quarantello. Yeah, pretty pretty tough guy. Um, put a lot of prep in that fight. Was scheduled. That was the third time. Oh, so really? We uh, we had a long drawn out camp. Yeah, in the first one, um, COVID hit, so I couldn't cross the border to get to the states to get the fight going. And um, he ended up with a short notice opponent, and then the second time he actually got COVID. So the third one, we were just fingers crossed that it was gonna gonna see itself through. Yeah, I, mean, I was. And it did. I was super impressed, brother. Like, I, uh, you know, the James fight, you you had some, uh, you know, you got caught a couple times, recovered really well, um, but you showed such good pressure, showed such good technique in that fight. Even though you got caught almost by the, you know, you got dropped and then you got caught with a uh, submission, but you escaped. Uh, and then came back with a really good victory in there. Um, but I think you took a big step up in this Quarantello fight. And, you know, given the reach, given the fact this guy's on a, you know, eight-fight win streak, 113 of his, what, 14 last fights, uh, I'm sure he was the favorite. I don't know exactly what the odds were. Um, I was expecting him to put on a, a performance there. And uh, I, I'm watching the fight, and, man, your pressure and your striking is just is just nice, bro. It was really nice. And, uh your composure was good. I love pressure fighters. I love guys that can keep their composure like that. That even when you had the James fight, um, you know, when you would get caught with something or when, when he would land, you would just keep going forward. Or, you know what I mean? Like, I like that. That, that That's what really breaks people and, and takes away that momentum that they just gained by landing those things. So when I saw the Quarantello fight, I was just like, man, I got to reach out to this guy and get him on the podcast and get a story because, you know, I, I like to I like to talk to interesting people. I like to talk to my friends, people that are, you know, in my network, and then also like to talk to guys that I'm impressed with that fight really well, who I feel like is going to really go somewhere. And, and you know, and then I looked you up a little bit, uh, did some research, and, and there were some questions there, and, and I wanted to find out a little bit more about you and, and you know, you, where you, how you got here, how you got to that Corintello fight. So I had to reach out, and I appreciate you taking the – the, the 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 show and coming on oh the pleasure's mine man those are <clears throat> those are kind words coming from you i appreciate that and um yeah it's a pleasure pleasure to be here that fight definitely was a step up i mean um they were talking about the winner of that one kind of advancing towards the top 15 so yep. i think now things are pretty pretty up in the air i don't know if it will be a top 15 for sure but it's definitely going in that uh <clears throat> that direction so 2021 has some opportunities there um, as far as how I got into the UFC, is a really, is a really kind of a funny path. You know, I was a musician before, and um, you know, just playing gigs and kind of come from a pretty 
yeah, very small town. Not even a, not even sort of a small town. A very small town. My hometown has like a hundred people left, and oh, it's, wow. it was a small fishing community at the tip of northern Newfoundland. You know what I mean? So the fact that I'm in the UFC may be a bit is is definitely a rarity because it's a pretty exotic sport MMA for Newfoundland in general, let alone you know rural rural fishing communities there. Yeah. Um, but I kind of you know traveled for for music, whether it be school or gigs or whatever like that. I always kept up on. Uh, on the boxing and jiu-jitsu and competed every chance that I could and it just kind of evolved into into that slowly and there was a time when I, I never really thought I was going to make it this far yeah and now in my head I see it uh, I see it taking off you know I don't I don't I don't see anyone around me outworking me I'm sure people work extremely hard and work as hard but I don't see anyone around uh, at work me and I've, I've traveled all around right now from from Thailand to New York, to Montreal, to Amsterdam, to Vegas, you know, I've been, been a few places and kind of felt the level around there, and I'm, I think I'm going to make a year, this, this this one coming up, you know. Yeah, no, I, and there's no doubt, and when you say that, uh, your work ethic thing, you can see that, you know, that pressure, that's not hard, to, that's not easy to do, it's not, it's not easy to keep that kind of pressure, so you got to be in good shape to put that pressure on, especially if you take a shot, or if the momentum shifts, and then you can continue that pressure and be the bully, um, it's very tough, super tough. Um, you mentioned Thailand, have you been to Thailand, have you came out here and trained? Yeah, I've been to Phuket there, I think, uh, where you guys are now, uh, three times, oh, stayed cool. for about a month each time. Train twice a day and just kind of shut it down, live the monk life, you know. Yeah. I really, really enjoyed my time there. Um, plans to come back, but now with the UFC, they want us to fight so frequently. Yeah. It's like uh, every four months. So it feels like the time in between fights to make those technical advancements are um, fewer and further between, you know. Um, I had a long break after my, my, my low loss where I had about two years, and I really took the opportunity to upgrade and uh, and work on everything. and. I always try to work on things in between fights. Uh, it seems like now it's uh, it's a pretty much go forward with with what you have most of the time. So trying to make those make time to make those trips and stuff like that is, is a little more difficult, especially with COVID. You know the yeah. the current the current way the world is. So well, after seeing that fight, I want to see you fight. I want to see you fight more and move up the rankings. And 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 I have a, a feeling you can definitely do it and get get somewhere big um but then i noticed you had a lot of lapses in your fights so i'm trying to figure out what caused that like when you look back at since you started in the ufc you're averaging around two fights a year or so um what were the reasons why you haven't fought more since you got your ufc break yeah i had a couple surgeries i had a couple surgeries and um we used to train i'll be honest we used to train a little bit hard i mean like um i'd be i'd be in small gloves with welterweights on a regular basis i still do but it's a little more controlled and it took me a little while to realize what um where the where the line was you know and uh, when i started training it was it was was a crash and bang style and you know i'm uh they don't have a lot of fights but those miles they get on you just from being in the gym and and you know culture kind of breeds how you train you don't really question it when when it's all you know so my my introduction to fighting comes from more like the 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 culture around here is very boxing influence there's a lot of pro boxers here in in halifax and big boxing culture is kind of quiet i mean we got guys here living in halifax who have lived in halifax that have fought muhammad ali fought triple g yeah not a lot of names remember because they they remember the winners of these fights obviously the big names but massive massive boxing boxing culture here you know olympians olympic coaches and stuff like that so in boxing when you go to spar 
it's it's pretty much exclusively hard rounds. You know, yeah. you know, you get in there and you're and you're crashing and banging these these uh, and these kids that you come up through. They they have no respect for these amateurs. It's not like you're gonna get. Uh, I don't care about your name. I don't care if you're in the UFC or you're an MMA fighter. If, in fact, if they find out you're an MMA fighter, they want they want to um, almost make an example. So, I think like that boxing culture kind of set the precedent in how we spar and how we go forward. I think boxing, man, is one of the toughest sports in the world, you know, when you really get down to it. Wrestling, of course, hard and physical, but the consequences of being being a, a boxer, amateur, or a pro is, is definitely something that sets a sets a mindset. So that's what I had going forward, and I think that, you know, when you think like that, the way you train kind of can suffer sometimes right. because it's it's all or nothing. And um, I never had any idea about energy systems or taking lighter aerobic days for recuperation or recovery at that time. I never knew how to split up my energy systems days or what anaerobic versus aerobic even meant. You right. know what I mean? It was all just, are you sparring today? You know, can you, can you spar? Yes, then spar. Okay. You know, yeah. <laughs> and, that, and that's how it kind of went forward. But nowadays things are really evolved and that UFCPI has really changed my life, yeah. you know, and uh, having a conditioning trainer, having a mental performance coach, uh, focusing on really specifics for striking and, you know, thinking about different distances outside that mid-range boxing and um, incorporating clinch in an MMA context and everything like that going forward. It's, it's really been a massive change, especially in the past, say, three years. It's been, it's been a massive step forward, I think, uh, upgrading technically and tactically, strategically in that, in that sense. So. Yeah, it's good to know that that line um, of, of overtraining too. You know, I, I come from the school of hard knocks as well, aka, and we train really hard. You know, we we started as a lion's den. You know, we started from the lion's den, from Frank Shamrock moving from the lion's den to aka. So we were all on Team Shamrock at at the American Kickboxing Academy, and that's what it was called. And then eventually Frank left, and it became aka. But but our our, our yeah, curriculum right. started from that that what Frank brought from Lions Den and he watered it down a little bit because it was so crazy at the Lions Den under Ken Shamrock, it was just too much. It was just like everyone knocking each other out every day. He watered it down a little bit, right. but it was still it was still too hard. Um, and it took us a long time to realize that we were training too hard, even though slowly over the years we were watering it down and and being smarter about it. But a lot of us got our careers cut short. You know, we, we, we built some big champions, Habib, obviously, and, and a lot of the guys, Daniel Cormier, Luke Rockhold, you know, Thompson and, and Kane and all these guys. But a lot of guys got their careers cut short. I think a lot of it had to do with the training. Kane Velasquez, uh, Josh Thompson, myself. Um, there's a lot of us that could have fought on a little bit more, fought on a little bit better. Um, yeah, we got good because we're fighting every day. Um, but I'd say that the majority of our injuries and wear and tear was the gym. I mean, it was not our fights, you know, and, and like we, it took us a while to get, you know, we were, we were passing fights up and, and having to, you know, back out of fights and, and getting injured and having to take time off. And, and it took a while to figure it out. So I know what you mean by that. And it's a smart way to go. And I think now we have a fine tuned curriculum. That's really good that we use here in Thailand as well as San Jose, obviously, but I know exactly what you're talking about. And there is that fine line. Um, you probably deal with it too, but for me, it's like that you get that fighter's guilt, right? So like you want to be the best and you want to out-train your opponent. And so you're always thinking your opponent's training harder than you. And so you don't want to go light, you know, you don't want to take that day off. You don't want to, uh, go, go a little bit less hard one of those days because you assume your opponent's going harder 
and you're going to lose the fight because you took that time off. It's like, I don't know if you have the same thing, but that's what I would get, that kind of guilt feeling if I took an easy day or took a day off or, or whatever. But you yeah. eventually learn yeah. that, that healing your body makes the other days better when you come back and you can actually spar and do good and not look bad, not get your ass kicked and, and actually perform better. So I 100% agree with you on that. And, and so now that, that you've kind of like got yourself back and you've had this great fight with Quarantello, are you looking to fight more and, and just keep pushing yourself forward as, as high as you can go? Obviously, you're, you're 34. Um, you know, you're kind of in your prime still. I mean, you still have some big fights and, and, and some time. You know, you're, it's not like you're too old. Um, and I want to see you keep going with this momentum that I, that I saw in this Quarantello fight. Um, are you planning on just pushing this thing to the max? And where do you see yourself after this fight? Like, I, I agree with you. You should be in the ranking or close to it after this fight, considering how who he was coming into this fight and how you handled it. You, I mean, you, you did really well against him. And I think that makes a, a statement. Where did you think that fight put you? And then are you full speed ahead right now as far as uh, your, your goals and your, your, uh, your mindset to make it as far, uh, far as you can in the UFC? Yeah, as far as where it puts me, I mean, um, I mean that's out of my hands to a degree. Like uh, I said before, typically when they, once you get through a fight like that, a tester fight, they'll kind of throw you in with a veteran. You know what I mean? Like there's a lot of names um, sitting at 145 with a lot of experience. Yeah. Um, guys, like, um, like I mentioned, Alex Caceres, he has a lot of fight. He's on a three fight win streak. Um, Darren Elkins is another guy. He's been in there forever. The Cub Swansons, like not specifically those. I'm not trying no, to I get you. Um, yeah, yeah, I know what you pick me, but I'm saying this type of character that, is, or not character, this type of uh, veteran athletes that have been in there forever. So I'd expect something like that, or someone you know within that top 15. With the current climate with COVID, you never know who's going to. Some guys get matched who are six, seven fights deep with guys coming uh, into their first fight. Yep. So it it is a little more unpredictable, and I can't imagine having uh, Sean's job because. Or, or mixed job because I think there's a lot of moving parts there. But yeah, I, I, I'm not sure that's a bit out of my hands. But I'm up for for whatever. I, I like these challenges, and as far as what I'm going to do, I'm I'm going to ride this till the wheels come off. You yeah. know, I mean, Good. there's there's not a great chance that any of us get out of this sport with too much grace. You know, I, I think like uh, if you love it, it's different. It's it's going to be hard to step away from in a competitive sense and. Uh, you know, guys get out and like the lifestyle after. I don't, I don't see anything really past it, and I don't think you can if you really want to do as well as you can. I have to be kind of all in, do or die kind of mindset. Um, for me right now, I'm 34, but I'm peaking physically. Like um, I do the tests and everything else. My VO2 max is higher than ever. My anaerobic threshold, my aerobic capacity, all these numbers are climbing up. My strength numbers are climbing up. My my power and velocity all that stuff is going up and i'm a big data guy so when i look at this and i see that athletically there's no question i'm 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 raising every i'm raising my potential and then i look at technically as like okay um i'll bring in pro boxers to spar and kind of look at the uh, the numbers record the rounds we watch the rounds back we watch the footage and there's things are definitely growing and i think that quarantello fight gave me a lot of confidence in in how I prepare yeah. what the victory was and uh, and he's a tough guy I respect him respect him a lot and I appreciated the fight and the fact that you know we both honored our word we signed a contract and it got a sideline but we both we both wanted that we both wanted to test ourselves and take that next step and we didn't do it by kind of circling around to favorable fights right. we we you know 
took it head on and i think that's what we have to do if you really want to get up there because you don't want to get in the top 15 and, and not feel like you're experienced yeah. or not be ready for that you need to be tested to step in the fire and um i think that's i think that's what we did so as far as the next step goes i think you just i'm just gonna have to do that exact same thing again bigger and bigger and do everything that's in my hands within my power to um to kind of make sure that physically i'm ready and mentally i'm i'm ready to take that step and i think this coming year um you know, if things go the way I see them going in my head, um, obviously everyone wants to see the best success and, and be optimistic. Uh, but the reality of the sport is like it's 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 so hit or miss. You never yeah. know what you're getting, especially when you step in that next level. So I'm just doing everything I can from from here, from Halifax, from this end. You know, with uh, with Feroz kind of guiding me too, people that have kind of already produced world champions and, right. and listening to the uh, listening to the guidance and. I think, you know, after I settle down and um, get a name, get some study in, and we get this we get this set, it's going to be all forward from here. Yeah, I think you're definitely looking at a ranked opponent next. And like you said, it could be someone at the bottom of the, fo- top, or the top 15 or someone in the top 10. You, you don't know, you know, it could be anyone. So you got to be ready for everyone that's in that ranking list. Um, and I'll agree with you also on the, har- the harder thing uh, to do as far as the rankings go um, – the one thing harder than getting into the top 15 is getting back into the top 15. So like what you said, you know, you don't want to get there and not be prepared and then get, you know, lose a fight and then get knocked back down because you're going to have a hard struggle to get back in there once you, once you break that ranking and, and then you, you fall back. So, but from what I'm seeing, man, I just see the, the sky is the limit for you. And that's why I obviously wanted you on the podcast. And, you know, I saw a lot of, ho- a lot of uh, talent and cater Calvin cater and brought him on and he was obviously ranked, but I just saw star potential with him and, few months later he comes back on he's got the holloway fight you know it's like he, big things are happening for him as well so maybe i just can pick him and and so so hopefully that's the case here um and and with this covid and uh you know the new guidelines obviously you fought twice i think in this situation right like two times in this uh this new covid sort of bubble we're both at the james fight was that in vegas too uh, yeah. Okay. So two yeah. times in Vegas. So, so what do you think about that as far as like, h- how has this changed for you? Cause I mean, it seems like you were kind of inactive a little bit, but now you fought twice, 2020 already, you're dealing with the hardest kind of situation. And so that's not slowing you down. And so you're obviously your momentum is going again. Um, h- how does it affect you mm-hmm. to prepare for the fights and then for actually going and fighting them, uh, d- during this COVID and with these guidelines, no audience quarantines and things like that? Yeah, so it definitely can be challenging for training because a lot of businesses like gyms and stuff are are closed, obviously, right? But um, I have a good setup. I have a good setup, and um, the preparation for me doesn't change too much. I'm I'm very specific the the way I train, you know, with uh, the partners I bring in and stuff like that. I have a great great team here. They really back me a lot, and um, I I I like it to be honest because the, obviously I don't like it I don't want anyone to get COVID and stuff like that but for me personally it's kind of um, compounded things in so um, I live a pretty pretty low key lifestyle you know I live I live the uh, the martial arts life I train constantly and study constantly and watch film and, and that's how that's what I like to do that's how I like to live so for me it, the, my world hasn't changed too much. 
um, it's nice to be able to fight and have the freedom to cross borders and go into towns and get paid without having to yeah. run through different processes. But I have a really supportive team. And uh, when we got into Vegas, the UFC looked after us so well. The, the isolation from the rooms and stuff like that and the lack of uh, interviews and the lack of, you know, um, requirements from you, I kind of like. It makes it like a little more more pure, yeah. you know. I don't know if that's the right word, but oh, you, just, you just show up. Show up and like fight. You, and you fight. Yep. Yeah, I, I like that. I don't really I don't really like a lot of things about MMA. Um, now, I know that sounds kind of strange, and I don't mean it in any no, kind of way, but for me, I just I really like the fight. You know, it's, yeah. it's difficult to balance the, the, the martial artist and the fighter. So for me, I like I like the lifestyle that um, that I'm living where I train and learn technique. And, you know, I have mats in my house and partners come over. We'll get excited about it. Uh, you know, uh, some kind of sort of technique, like yeah. all the craze, like for example, like ones like K-Guard, backside 50-50 stuff. Yep. I'm probably not going to use it in a fight, but I want to know I want to know it, you know, and I want to know how I'd be able to identify it and stuff like that. So all my time gets swept up in this. So the COVID situation hasn't really changed, changed much for me. Um, there's a little bit less access to be able to get boxing and sparring partners from out of province which is a shame because there's so many good uh, athletes around. But other than that, you know, it's pretty, it's pretty much um, life as usual. So I get asked this question a lot. I have a gym, obviously, you know, in, in, here in Thailand. So I get asked a lot from people that come in, like, or that want to come here is, you know, is, is 20, year, 20 years old too, too late to start or 22 or 23 or 24, whatever the case. Um, and it's a weird question because it just depends on where you came from before that. And then with you, it looks like you started your pro career at 25, correct? Yeah, I think about that, yeah. So, so, what, so that seems kind of late to have started your pro career a little bit. Um, what, what got you into martial arts and how old were you? Uh, what style was it? And then how did, that, how did that turn into you finally turning pro and then, and then, and then getting you know, in, into the UFC? So I started doing some traditional stuff. Do you know like traditional? Taekwondo, like, karate. I would get. Yeah, the 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 options were fairly limited, but I did Taekwondo for a little while and competed every chance that I got. I did like um, Judo and competed every chance that I got. When I got here into the city, because my home is Newfoundland, so I, I would move here. I was here for school and, and studying music and playing music. So when I first um, got the opportunity to compete, I would take anything, exhibition, boxing, fights, even without any experience. I just, I just wanted to compete, and I, I was – fairly anonymous so i felt like it takes the pressure off where you can just you know what i mean come into a bigger city or what i thought was like the big city at the time and just compete in anything and with with nothing to really lose and um i just collected experience that way competing as much as i could and being being basically the rookie and everything and i met uh, a gym owner here and uh, went to a boxing gym i told him i wanted to compete and i just started training and every opportunity i could get to compete they would just give me and I took everything, every jiu-jitsu tournament, every, everything, like anything I could compete in, I would compete in. Yeah. And, um, and I started liking, I liked the nerves, like the anticipation or stress. I know you're not supposed to like stress, but I like that stress that was kind of building up to this, to these moments. And, um, yeah, I just, I just started doing that. So Taekwondo and Judo and the traditional martial arts were my base. And then when I got into the city, I started doing Jiu-Jitsu. And I remember thinking I was a decent grappler. And this purple belt came in and just cleaned my clock. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. I remember I saw a blue belt and I was like, oh, my God, like this guy's, this guy's a killer, right? And then uh, 
I would just start training with them and I'd try to get try to get work with the experienced guys every chance I get. A lot of pro boxers here, I would get in, get rounds, and get absolutely cooked, and uh, and keep coming back. You know, probably again over sparring, but I just really loved it, and I loved the idea of it. Even if I never competed ever again, I would show up to gyms and get get these rounds and get this work in. That's what that's what I you know um, was really enjoying at the time. So yeah, just stemmed from that. And when I got my first pro fight, I thought a pretty tough guy and won the fight and i was like wow this is this fun. is um yeah fun <laughs> and unexpected and yeah i don't even know if i because again the anticipation and the stress was so much but yeah. you put so much on yourself that then once the event is over it's like a weight lifted yeah and i think that that is better than actually liking it you know that we you put that on yourself and then you remove it and that little bit of relativity to you know like i said uh a little while ago to my friends I'm, we're lucky to be able to fight because we choose to and not because we have to right. there's so many people in the world that are, that are like in in you know bad places that are have no choice and i get to make this decision on my own so i feel grateful for that and lucky and now i'm doing it in the ufc getting some money in the piggy bank and boxing with my friends and you know, i couldn't i couldn't ask for more i couldn't ask for better you know so my start kind of came from pure enjoyment do you remember the time frame for you like around what age you were when you started in that taekwondo and uh traditional martial arts or was it just yeah i was i was in i was in my late teens maybe early 20s i mean i, I just um okay so you did start late is what, is what i was getting at yeah definitely started late but i was always into i was always athletic i was doing that but i mean i was a young kid and i was you know i was drinking and and doing other stuff doing you know everything you're not supposed to be doing yeah. or you're typically supposed to be doing when you're yeah. when you're that age and um you know i remember being up all night and just going to taekwondo tournaments the next morning and competing <laughs> wondering and how you did it and, <laughs> yeah all that stuff and just just like uh, basically no direction you know that yeah. saying if you don't know where you're going anywhere will right. take you there i was that was me that was me in a in a, in a person so um i have a lot more direction nowadays <laughs> There's a lot of guys, man, that, that found the direction with martial arts from from all different backgrounds. Um, and then when you started fighting pro, obviously, it's kind of like the same story with me, man. Like I was in the old school days, you know, so like fighting pro is the same kind of thing with me. When I started out, it was kind of like, what the hell am I doing? You know, I, that was a big question when I was walking out to fight a guy. But, yeah, I've said this before, like cut off jeans and like a, a, a mullet and like, a, you know, like and wondering like what the fuck I was doing in my life. Um, but it's fun. You win and you're like, shit, this is pretty cool. And you keep going. And then next thing you know, you're fighting bigger fights, bigger opponents. What was it like? Well, well what was your break? Like what, what happened that caused you to get in the UFC? And, and, and how did that go down? And then and what did that mean for you? Like at that point, how much was your goal to be in the UFC and to be a champion and, and kind of like be somebody and, and, and be famous and, and, and have success? So, so what caused it, and then how did you feel when that when that finally happened? When you finally knew you were going to get a UFC fight? Um, so I came off a fight. I, I won. I think it was 30, 37 or thirty thirty something seconds. I won the fight with a with a head kick, and then uh, my manager at the time called me and said, "We got in, you know, we got in, and and not only did you get in, but they're bringing a UFC card to Halifax, and you're okay. going to be fighting there." And um, that was that was a bit of a shocker because he called me late at night he didn't even let me sleep so i was up all night and i was like oh my god what's gonna happen and they offered me a fight and when i looked at who it was it was sam cecilia this kid this guy who has had like 12 
in the UFC who was an absolute banger. You yeah. know what I mean? So to be honest, I was concerned. I was like, oh my God, this is, this guy's a home run swinger. And, uh, you know, my mom is going to be in the audience for the first time ever. Yeah. And this is going to be a big thing. So I think that almost like fear drove me forward. I remember when the bell rang, I was like, well, it is what it is. You know what I mean? It's just, it's, it's just what it is now. And, whatever will be will be and I went out there and I had a really good performance that night and I remember when the last bell rang and I looked at my corner and I was like man he barely hit me and I was like man I, I think I'm I think I'm good yeah. <laughs> I might be good you know? <laughs> I love that I love that, that conclusion oh shit okay I, I'm here and I and I clearly won that fight and um I remember looking around at the audience and there was like um that was that was a moment where I was kind of like I closed my eyes for a second and really took it in yeah and I was like, wow, I actually did something um, here with this. And just just out of pure pure love for martial arts, and that kind of propelled me forward. And I, after that moment, I was like thinking to myself, okay, we have to, we have to see how far this is going to go. Yeah. Are you balancing anything else right now? Like are you balancing any other type of responsibilities or work or anything while you're trying to pursue this at this stage? Or are you full-time training all the time and, and fighting? Yeah, I'm full-time invested right now, which wasn't always the case. I mean, I definitely, well, if I'm being honest, lived in straight poverty for, for, for a little while. And, um, you know, when I decided I was going to see it through, I made a decision, gave myself a timeline. And luckily, um, that broke through before before um, things went belly up. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I definitely, you know, I, I sold a lot of stuff and had very very cheap rent and uh, maybe had a not so good diet that was more affordable and all those other things that you know everyone has to go through if you if you want to get up and train twice a day and, and do all that stuff but I'm in a real good spot right now so I'm got a real support of a, a team around me fan the only responsibility I really have is, is feeding feeding my cat and, yeah. uh, and making sure I'm doing everything I can to feel like I'm giving myself the best chance at, uh, at doing everything I can with the sport. All right, guys, I hope you're enjoying the podcast, but I got to thank our sponsors, our first being Manscaped, the official trimmer of the UFC, and now the official trimmer of the Real Quick with Mike Swick podcast and yours truly, precision engineered tools for your family jewels. And now you can save 20%, get free shipping by going to manscaped.com, M-A-N-S-C-A-P-E-D.com, and entering code QUICK at checkout. Manscaped is the only brand dedicated to below-the-waist grooming and hygiene products, and great news, they just released their products across Europe, Canada, and Australia. That's right. So if you're in Canada, Europe, or Australia, you can now get Manscaped delivered directly to your door. Free shipping, 20% off using code QUICK, just as if you're living in the States. They are expanding. It is by far the best product for below-the-waist grooming on the market. It's a win-win. You use code QUICK. That lets them know that you're coming from the podcast, which supports the podcast. You get 20% off, free shipping. It's a win-win for everyone. And as always, this podcast is brought to you by AKA Thailand, the world's premier luxury training resort here in Phuket, Thailand. You can go right now to akathailand.com and save 30% off on all group training. One week, a month, three months, six months, a year, however long you want to book, you save 30% right now. You can do it at akathailand.com, zero expiration date. So you can use it anytime in the future, 2021, 22, 23, whenever you want to come, still get the 30% discount. You're in our POS, and we can actually bring you in the country right now with a three-month special visa. You do have to do a quarantine, 
but you can come now. So please email us at info at akthailand.com. We'll get you all the information that you need on how you can obtain this visa, uh, answer any questions about the packages, how you can get the 30% discount in our all-inclusive and exclusive uh, travel packages, and still save on the group training. So info at akthailand.com and akthailand.com. If you're not familiar with the gym, here's our commercial. What's up, everybody? I am here in Thailand. This is the first time I've ever been here. Been dying to come here for years. Mike Swick, he's one of the big reasons he's been trying to pull me down here. What he built down here, AKA Thailand, is incredible. There's people here from all over the world. You can train mixed martial arts here, jujitsu. They have weightlifting, they have cardio, and obviously they have Muay Thai, boxing, everything. telling you guys, I know everybody wants to go to Thailand because Thailand's so cool, but you can't come to Thailand without coming to AKA Thailand. Come on. Who were some of your inspirations when you were coming up? Like, uh, like when you're watching UFC and some of the big names fighting the big fights and stuff like that, who, who'd you look up to and, and kind of wanted to emulate in, in your style and in your career? Oh, man, there's so many guys. I mean, I started off watching you know, K1. I started off watching, yep. I think it was like I got a VHS tape UFC 2, and then I was watching like K1 when we first got satellite TV uh, up home. So. I was watching guys like Remy Bolonjowski and these old school guys when I was a kid, kickboxers seeing clean technique, and which eventually led to, you know, watching good southpaws, Jerome LeBanner and Andy Hug way back in the day, and then started watching Petrosian and some of these modern boxers. I watched a lot of Pernell Whitaker uh, when I was, you know, looking at boxing. I watched a lot of old school, like Zab Judah. Um, uh, Sergio Martinez, a lot of these southpaws where I was looking at these guys. I don't even know like I didn't know what I was looking at at the time. I was just like, wow, these guys are cool, you know? And then when I started watching MMA, seeing seeing different styles, different self-pauls, Leona Machida, watching that lead hand fight, I was like, man, this motherfucker's doing karate in the cage. This yeah. is crazy. <laughs> you know, and then looking at uh, Jones playing that open stance yeah. and seeing these guys coming in, controlling that distance like that who were shorter guys and um tj dillashaw was a big influence when i started watching him moving his feet and there's yeah. there's so many so many guys and even now i'm looking even guys in my weight class i mean i'm not gonna say any names because i don't want them to know there's any admiration there but <laughs> yeah. there's a lot of modern guys right now i'm watching that i'm seeing i'm like wow this guy's got got um good boxing or a really good jab or whatever you know some guys even that have been on your show a very impressive uh, yeah. very impressive jab and stuff like this so i'm looking at this and thinking man that'd be a good scrap or seeing guys be like oh, i'd like to train with this guy someday or um but i think i think for me looking looking back at uh, different fights and things that come up through that first dillashaw fight with Burrell yeah. when he came in massive underdog and the way he took him out i mean that was that was that evoked a lot of emotion in me watching this guy come up through and just be like fuck vegas odds fuck everything yeah. he just came in and he just took over that fight <laughs> and took out a really dominant champion at the time i was emotional watching that i was like man this is something else you know and doing it from southpaw styles and bleeding so many things together from so many different different looks and um 
yeah, I think that that was the main. That was probably one of the most in, inspiring uh, moments for sure. Well, he's coming back. And next guys from well, no, go, go ahead and finish what you were saying now. Well, I was just gonna say, guys from AK, like Kane Velasquez too, and that whole crew that came through watching Kane just be an absolute mauler was pretty. Uh, yeah, he was pretty, killing. He was like the original, the original fear inducer, like that thing that Khabib has, where he's just like, you, you got to be concerned, you're gonna get just mauled to death. Yeah. Kane is kind of like <laughs> the guy that that kind of invoked that concern. Too, yeah, so I liked him a lot. Dude. Yeah, absolutely. And then Dillashaw's coming back next month. Where do you see him jumping in, yeah. jumping into the division at after this break? Man, I don't know. I don't know. It's hard. I mean, it's a difficult uh, look. He'll definitely be at the top. I mean, it's, the question is, will he jump right back in, get a title shot, or have a nice number one contender fight, or or what? But it's gonna be interesting to see him jump back in the mix now. With this, this is a lot of time off, man. I had three years off at one point, and, and it changes things. And and he's had I think two, right? Something like two years or something. So it's gonna. Yeah. It's interesting to see how he's gonna come back. And you, you came back 2015. That was your last. Uh, 2015 was last the last fight. fight, but before that, I blew my my knee out, kind of in the prime of my career, and I had 910 days off, and I couldn't do anything, wow. and then I just kept having problems with it. So it was 910 days off, and then I ended up fighting on UFC on Fox 4. Luckily, got a big win, but. It changed things for sure, and the sport changed too. So that was something you had to adjust to as well. And I'm sure when he was in a sport before and now as big as it is and what they're doing, especially with the COVID and stuff, it's obviously changed. So it's interesting to see where he's going to kind of – how he's going to be when he comes back. I mean, he took a lot of flack for what happened, and, you know, there's a lot of negativity, and it affects people different ways. And he seems like somebody that's that's, uh, mentally strong, and and he's obviously champion – level fighter so it's interesting to see where he's gonna be when he comes back and and how he's gonna how he's gonna return yeah there's so much footage out there now too like when you look at thing anyone anyone who's advancing seems to be having to watch film there's there's a lot of film on him so when you see the way this guy moves and stuff like that he he's lost a couple years and i think he's also had shoulder surgery if i'm not mistaken so he's had to have some serious time off and that entire two years has not been training time and mad time right um so within that two years it's been you know the majority of his time off but he's a, he's a he's a champion i'm sure he's going to come back with that champion's mind and and do what champions do you know i mean i'd love to see like i said it was, he's one of the most uh, more inspiring guys of course that that moment or that uh, incident is it definitely uh, maybe tarnishes his his um image for some people and stuff like that but um, I think he'll come back and thrown right in the mix. There's talks about Jose Aldo fighting him. Uh, that would be an amazing fight. Um, and a good, like, uh, polarizing stylistic contrast, too, when, yep. when they're in there because Aldo's got that, um, I don't know what you call it, Brazilian Muay Thai style. I was calling, you know, it's just, <laughs> it's just like kind Muay of uh, station flat foot banging, stalking for until yeah. the shot's going to be, you know, dribbling the basketball all around him. So um, I'd like to see that one. I think that would be really good. Um, if he did come back, but who knows? He could go right into title contention immediately and and uh, get get right back to his spot. I think the good thing about him, as far as that that goes, with what happened, is how he handled it was the you know he just he, he came out and handled it the proper way, and then kind of put it behind him. You know, the time heal time heals. How many guys do you know at the top champion level guys that got caught for 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 steroids or something? And now they fought multiple mm-hmm. times since then, and you kind of don't even remember, like, like you know, like Anderson or something. And you're just like, you're talking about a legacy, you're talking about a legend, you're talking about certain things, and you're like, oh yeah, he got caught that time for steroids, where he he did this. It's like, you know, time heals, and, and I think the way he handled it is it's going to heal a lot faster. It's gonna it's gonna be pushed behind if he comes back and starts winning fights again. 
and and obviously not having any more problems. I think it's going to push things back a lot faster than some of these guys, I'm not going to say names, that sit and harp on it so much and they try to fight it so much and they're bitter and they're putting all these articles out because they're mad about this person and that person and that life is unfair. And, and then pretty soon it's like you can't think of nothing but the fact that this guy failed and he's just miserable and every there's 50 articles about it. So I think I think he took the right route yeah. in that that you know that that he's he, he handled it. He did, you know, he, he admitted he got caught or he got caught, whatever, and, and he just moved on. And then going back to the fights, you're lucky you guys got fight pass, man. Let me tell you because – and it's good for me having a podcast because I get to catch up on some of your guys' fights that I don't get to see or haven't seen before. But when we had fights, when they would give us a fight in the UFC back when I was coming up, they would actually give us DVD. So we would have to have like – they would tell us who we're fighting, and then we would have to wait for the DVDs to get mailed to our house. And they would mail us these white DVDs with our opponent's name on them. And it would say like, you know, for whatever purposes only. And then we would have to put the DVDs in to watch like the last three or four of our opponents' fights. And so, and so it's funny how things have changed so much. Like you can just pop on Fight Pass and watch every fight in the history of the UFC. And you can watch them in slow motion. And you can I do can, anything. I have, a, yeah. I have an app. You can slow it down and freeze frame it and make gifts and send to your team and watch yeah. it in slow motion. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm grateful to have that kind of technology. The age of information is good in that way. You know, we can take these fights, slow it down, identify habits much more easily, hand yeah. position, defensive hand position, foot position. Like you can see everything when you can take a fight and look at it in slow motion or go back through fight pass and see the fights pre ufc or go on youtube and just bring stuff up yeah we're, we're lucky in that way yeah you guys kind of went in uh, and just had to make the adjustments on the fly <laughs> which i think has a different type of merit like the yeah. the fighters that have done that can do that on the fly maybe a little better you know like uh, boxers can make adjustments between rounds sometimes when you're in a five minute round you only have two breaks, you know, between round one and two and two and three, unless you're in a five-round fight. But if you can't be the type of guy to make adjustments mid-round, you have to make those adjustments in between. And I think being able to study film and getting stuck to a plan, I think that's the duality of the situation. If you're all in on a plan and you practice that for months and you do that plan, when the, if the plan doesn't work and you can't adapt and you can't improvise and you're stuck to that plan because that's what you are, what you train – I think that can be a negative in a lot of ways yeah, too. Right. We see a lot of guys before they just train, they focus on themselves and they just went through and made the adaptations and, and made the adjustments in the fight. And I think that has its own merit, you know? Yeah. And I, you know, the thing is, luckily I had all my DVDs, obviously I always wanted to see my own fight. So when I would fight, you know, like two months after maybe or so the DVD would come out and I'd get the DVD. So at least I had my own fights. And for me, this may sound weird, but I watched myself fight more than I watched my opponents that I was fighting. I would obviously break down my opponents with my coaches and, and break down the, the what I would call the uh, unchangeable variables, the things that definitely wouldn't change between their last three fights or four fights that they didn't really change that much. Um, and then I'd, I'd see the kind mm -hmm. of things that they did change and kind of sort of use some kind of like algorithm, I guess, to figure out what I, what I thought they would do. But I would watch my own fights the most and break down my own fights, like figure out how I would beat myself what I would do if I was fighting myself, because that's what my opponent's probably doing is studying fights of me. And I made plenty of mistakes. Yeah. And, and if I don't watch my own fights, I'm not going to see them. I'm going to be on this like, you know, I got the knockout. I'm, I'm great. I don't need to worry about anything. But in reality, I made a ton of mistakes in that fight. You know, I did a lot of things that were bad. And for some reason, for me, I just always watched a lot of my own fights and tried to fix my problems going into fights and do things different than I did in my previous fights. Um, because I know that's what they're going to be doing. It's kind of like getting ahead of the curve on that. Um, so I don't know. I just threw that in there. It wasn't really. 
Yeah. <laughs> just... I do the same each time. I mean, we look back and try and see what they're what they're seeing. Yeah. Like you said before, when you see when you see the unchangeable variables there, like uh, zebra doesn't change its stripes, right. right? So there's certain habits that are going to be there for forever, perhaps, or unless you make some drastic changes. And uh, again, with you know, if a fight is if a fighter fought three or four months ago and you have a fight with them now, you can count on certain things or you can count on certain areas and you have to decide how you're going to, how you're going to address it. And I watch my fights back too and look for what some of my look for and, and see how they go forward. Um, what their plan for me would be like, how would I fight me? How would I yep, that's exactly try to pressure right. myself? How would, I, how would I take away the movement? How would I uh, address the clinch? You know, and it, like these kind of things is, uh, yeah, I, I try to focus on the same. Yeah, I guess it's still out there just because like all the, the, the young fighters coming up to just try it, you know, give it a shot. It sounds weird, but I've talked to a lot of fighters, man, and I'll say, I'll ask them, you know, or they'll see me doing it. And then, and they're like, man, I've never even watched one of my fights before. Or they'll say, I never watched my fights. You know, I can't, I can't stand to see, you know, that kind of stuff. But it's like, man, you, you will learn. There's no way you're not going to watch your last fight or your last couple fights and see huge mistakes in your game. Like you're very, you're very critical of yourself. You're more critical of yourself and you're going to identify more mistakes that you made than you're, you're going to identify in your opponent's fights. Right. Because you know, you don't know the yes. mindset going in and how you think you fought is not how you fought. You know, you may have done amazing things and won by spectacular knockout, but you probably did some really shitty things before that and that you didn't mean to do and that you'll never remember again unless you watch. So I would just look back at those things yeah. and kind of like, kind of like take notes at least so that I would go unprepared on both sides, looking at my opponent and looking at myself. And it helped me a lot, man, especially my, I had one fight with Luazo and, and he fought me like he was fighting the guy that always fought and I changed completely. Like it was almost a different fighter and that's the only reason I was ahead of him the whole fight was because I was not the mm -hmm. same, you know, at all. Like I literally changed because he was such a high level fighter. I changed everything, like literally every part of my game um, to, to try to throw him off. And it did. And so from that point, I, I attribute that a lot to uh, watching my own fight. So anyway, I won't get off off, off course here, but I, I just think that's good for the, the young fighters coming up uh, to, to try because it definitely helped me a lot. And it sounds like it's helping you a lot too. You said something about boxing earlier being so hard and being a tough sport and obviously good athletes. What do you think about these YouTubers now? and and athletes and celebrities getting into boxing and you know the mike tyson obviously now they're going to do these older fights i just had bob sap on my last one it's going to post like literally an hour after we get done here and it was two hours of bob sap sitting in this room and like he's he's getting in the mix now he's he got challenged by shaquille o'neal and that would happen a week ago and so he responded on the podcast to shaquille o'neal he challenged Ty tyson and lennox and Vander and like it just got crazy but like what do you think about this whole thing with uh like these video gamers and these fighting these athletes and celebrities that don't really have that much experience but they're getting in there and fighting what you know what you're calling one of the hardest uh combat sports i mean it's difficult to know how to feel about it because on the on the positive end it's drawing attention to boxing which is great on the other end i feel like people should have to do what we did you know they should have to work their way up and right. get into these opportunities um because you know like when you study martial arts and you go through and you hit that certain level it's like it becomes pretty precious to you you know when you start like um realizing what it takes to, to advance in level and then you have two guys at a more fundamental level that are just getting these opportunities against each other 
that look competitive. But I, I don't really pay attention. I mean, like, I shut off my social media before fights for, like, a month out. And oh, wow. I don't pay attention to that stuff. I find that that takes up unnecessary space. I don't have the mental capacity to insert that smut into my brain. Yeah, so I try to ignore it most of the time. And what people do as they do. If they're doing what they do and they do it honestly, that's on them. I mean, that's, that's fantastic. I don't pay attention to those fights, and I don't watch them. Certainly different story with mike tyson i mean he certainly earned his uh, spot i mean no one could argue with these guys are legends so of course uh, i would tune in for for something like that but uh, the the john or uh, the jake paul the and, and Nate robinson paul, yeah this guy i mean whatever if he's getting a big name fight and he ends up fighting um is it mcgregor or someone like this he's fighting he's calling out mcgregor he ain't fighting uh, mcgregor he's gonna he's gonna probably get like dylan dennis or, or something okay yeah i'll be honest i'm probably I'm probably not going to watch that, but <laughs> I mean, um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how these people are doing it based off popularity. The whole, the whole hype culture is, uh, it's a bit beyond me. Cause I just, I just, you know, I'm just focused on my own little bubble here like that. I'm, I'm not really, uh, not really interested in these guys, uh, and what these guys are doing. I, I don't, I don't think I'm going to take too much technically, no offense to anyone, but from watching this no, guy no. fight, I, I don't feel like, you know, I, I rarely watch heavyweight fights unless the name is right. Yeah. I rarely watch heavy boxing fights. I rarely watch a lot of these fights. I don't feel like I'm going to take something from. So, um, yeah, I don't, I don't have a personal issue with it if they're doing what they're doing, honestly, and they're trying to get ahead. You can't fault a man for that or a person for that you know but um as far as as far as my interest in it it is at an absolute zero <laughs> yeah no that i can i can assure you you're not going to take anything from most of those fights <laughs> you're doing really well and I, those guys aren't going to teach you anything um what, what is it that you like to do outside of fighting other than uh like for fun like like what do you do for as a hot like, i know you're in a small town live a simple life and you train a lot but it's got to be something you do what what is it that, that you do that's kind of to get your mind off things and 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 just kind of kill some time here and there between uh training sessions yeah that's been a that's been an ongoing topic with my with my performance coach and team i don't really balance things very well um i'm pretty much like uh i know it sounds excessive but i watch like six hours of footage a day that's like my i'm sat here at this desk right now I have multiple screens set up you know I'll sit down and break down fights I watch a lot of things in slow motion too so for me to watch a championship fight five five minute rounds it takes me yeah. takes me a couple hours and yeah. I stop and start and make clips and stuff like that so um, it really eats up a huge part of the day I have a, a home gym lifting platform put downstairs I got my first bonus the first thing I did was yeah. going by bumper plates squat racks kettlebells mats and stuff nice. like that I just I really don't I don't balance things um, too well um, you know, I go out and eat with the girl from time to time, but, um, I don't want to disrupt the diet too much. Right, too. Right. So I'm sort of boring to be honest, Mike, I don't have too much going on inside of this right now. I'm here in the city and I don't get much of a chance to go back, back home or anything like that. I'm just, uh, trying to work on little projects. I got, um, like a lot of artistic projects and stuff like that. Actually, I got this shirt right here. We just got an artist, Gian Galang in New York. I don't know if you can see yeah. this, but yeah, okay, I got you. put up. Yeah, he put up, made this rad shirt for me. So I've just been kind of like nice. um, working on the projects in between. But everything is pretty much geared towards the career and towards towards fighting and um, towards advancement. You know, and like I said, I got a real supportive group around me. See, so they don't mind me uh, being a hermit, uh, so it seems, and and helping me uh, along the way. So 
yeah, I, I, that's an issue. I probably should have something to balance. You know, it probably would help me a, a lot more if I did have something to do that. But I think as long as the motivation stays up, it, it might not be necessary. I could be wrong. I'm probably wrong. I mean, I, I, honestly, it sounds to me like, I mean, I mean, sacrifice is the way for success. I mean, it sounds like you're on the right path there. And it sounds like what you're doing is what's bouncing you out, you know, like the, do, doing the, the slow motion uh, studying of the fights and watching the fights. That's whether you notice it or not, that's probably what's balancing you out. I mean, if you're if you're still enjoying your life and, and getting by and getting your sleep and getting your training, obviously you're balanced. There's obviously nothing missing. So I would say that's it. Do you have like, I mean, obviously you, you got plenty of time in your career left, but you are, you know, in your mid thirties, you know, and, and you can only fight for so long. Do you have something in particular in your mind that you would love to be doing in say uh, 10 years, maybe like, like your, your end game after fighting? Like, what is it that you would like to do once fighting is over? And you've achieved everything that you can in the sport. I do, I do, uh, I do like coaching a little bit. I coach a little bit right now, but obviously with the time in, like fighting takes priority. But uh, we have a great team here, and um, I love organizing. I'm like a little bit obsessive compulsive about making lists and putting things in order and mm -hmm. trying to understand the transitions between different styles and stuff like that. So I do like I do like coaching, and I think there's a ton of potential here. A lot of a lot of small town guys with great athletic genetics that are. You know, I'm just waiting for someone to kind of spoon feed some good knowledge in them. And I think it would be great if I could have a, a young kid starting at an early age and maybe what took me 10 years to nail down, I could hand off to them in a couple months and watch them advance uh, much, much faster and not have to go through the travel and go through the uh, lumps and bumps to kind of figure out the same thing. So that's something I consider a lot, um, maybe going through that. I mean, um, uh, Enzo Gracie gave me my black belt. I think it was maybe a year ago nice. now too. So teaching jujitsu could be could be in the future. I really do love jujitsu, and um, even though I don't have much of an affinity for the gi anymore, yeah. I do I do see myself, uh, you know, maybe teaching some jujitsu and um, running some kickboxing and stuff like that. I, I think that could be a future if if I could do it. But the problem with um, being the way that I am is if you set a standard for yourself. And I think if you run across, you know, a kid that is not meeting your level of standard, it can be a frustrating thing as a coach. And I think that can cause a lot of, like you see a lot of old school boxing coaches, they're smoking cigarettes, drinking coffee. They're a little bit jaded. They're like these fucking kids, you know, because yeah. they probably see a different generation of work ethic or this whole, like we said earlier, hype generation. Right, right generating the fights not through not through work and hours in the gym and building their way up but through through um you know social media and these kind of like uh, attention parties which is you know kind of a different different era i maybe turned into an old man when i'm looking at people <laughs> thinking to myself like <laughs> oh this is this is some like, shit but yeah i think that i think if i can mentally sustain it and bear it i would love to be able to turn my attention towards um, coaching in, in the future but I still have a few years left to kind of make the most of this so I don't let that enter my mind too uh, too often I'm going to stay pretty fixated on the task for now cool man that sounds good and uh, I've been asking a lot of my guests this so I'm going to do a compilation probably before the fight happens what is your take on the the Conor McGregor Dustin Poirier fight like how do you how do you see this fight going this time around 
I like them both, man. Uh, as as fighters, I think to me they're both southpaws too. So I took a lot from both both those guys. I love, I love um, the way it goes. Dustin Dustin's tendency to block left hands is that high wedge block, mm-hmm. the the Stonewall or whatever you want to call. It. We call it wedge blocks, but this is not this is not a great way to block left hands i found that out firsthand you know so if he makes the proper adjustment like the last fight too he kind of ended up blocking it making the adjustment but it was more of a forced adjustment right right but now he's so matured that i think that he's going to address the left hand in a much better way and 55 dustin is a much different beast from 45 dustin so i think this is going to be really interesting and with dustin being a right-handed southpaw it's really a match of distance with that lead hook versus McGregor's left hand. Right. So I think uh, it depends on the range of Dustin Force is a little bit closer. You know that old saying, straights beat hooks? Yep. I don't think that's that's it's not necessarily true. It depends on the range. Inside, yeah. hooks beat straights. So I think it's going to depend on who controls the range. Are we going to be tight range boxing or distance boxing? It's difficult to close the gap on McGregor's a minefield there trying to get close to him. So I can see Dustin probably trying to grapple early, get some blood in the shoulders, close the gap, and create a tighter punching range. With McGregor doing what McGregor does, man, crazy kicks from the outside and then darting in with that left hand of death. So I think it's going to be really interesting. I love Dustin as a person, so it would be really nice to see him get his due. Yeah, Um, he's a good guy. But if I had to bet that, I mean, I wouldn't be putting putting any money down on that one. It's pretty... pretty, pretty tough to call but yeah. yeah it would be nice to, it would be nice to see uh, Poirier get his get his due I really like that guy and what he does outside the ring unfortunately being a good person doesn't make much of a difference yeah. in the cage uh, what you are as a person is not it's not what gets the job done and, um that's just the way it is yeah no I agree with you um and then you know this might be a silly question for you but um are you like with, with Kevin Holland, you know, fighting five times, 2020, you got Hamzai fighting so many times, these guys that are winning, like you are now, uh, you know, this year, um, they seem to be getting these opportunities. I mean, there, the, there's a fight every weekend now. And so there, there's a lot of fights that are cramming into these, they're filling these cards and they're cramming these, 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 these uh, fight cards on. Are you ready to go? Like, are you ready to just, just do as many as you possibly can? Are you trying to stay ready for that and, and, and try to get as many as you can so you can climb the ranks a little bit faster? Yeah, I mean, I would love to. Again, the body has to agree. Like, um, well, I'll tell you between us, I didn't say anything about this, but I broke my hand uh, four and a half weeks out from this fight that just happened. I, I fractured my. Uh, you mean like between us and the world on the podcast, or you mean like, do I gotta oh, cut? I gotta cut yeah, this out. Yeah. I got so caught up in this conversation, it feels like we're just talking. But yeah, between us and the world, now I guess it's okay. I, I can I, leave I it in. Fractured my trapezoid. I was in a cast um, for for a week making adjustments for this fight and i didn't want to make any excuse i never even brought it up or said anything i just i spent a week in the cast i worked around it and then i cut the cast off myself and i, I wrapped that sucker up as yeah. best i could and i didn't throw my left hand till about maybe uh you know two weeks out from that fight so i lost a couple of weeks of throwing throwing my left hand um but, you know, you work around it. You don't forget how to fist fight. So yeah. do we can make adjustments. I had a great strength and conditioning coach who made sure that, you know, all the motor units were still going to fire, the muscles were still going to fire as usual. 
So I, th- I would like to fight as frequently as possible without um, sacrificing yeah. my opportunities to win. Right. You, you certainly don't want to do that too often, and it has to be it has to feel right. So, you know, I've hurt my ribs and gone into fights and stuff like that too. Where you're like, no, I think I can get through it. You have to ask yourself, can you do it? Can you go? And if you can, you you go. And if you need some time to heal. Um, coming off a win and you can afford that time I think that's a good way to play it but being being busy is almost like its own upgrade yeah. you can have all the technique in the world but if you don't apply it and, and get that action in that's what really gets the comfort in and I'll be honest I've only really found that familiarity that comfort in this fight that just passed where I started to settle in start relax not relaxing but starting to feel more um like um confident there in the cage and feeling like okay this I know what this is this familiar feeling you know what the forearms hammers feel like when they bounce off your forearms it doesn't it doesn't set the same panic you know I'm used to um, what the fight's gonna be, you know, and what a guy's, what a guy's feeling like in there, because you know when the lights hit and you start feeling that UFC canvas and and the cage, and you're moving around, looking at it, it's a real surreal moment, and you can get kind of caught up in it, especially if you start talking to yourself in there, you're like, oh, you know, are you getting tired? Or, oh, that was a hard overhand, you just cut off the forearms, you don't yeah. want that delay, you don't want to start talking to yourself and stuff like that. You just want to fight. So for me, is being analytical is a double-edged sword you you kind of want to go on autopilot to a degree and let the training take over but you do need the presence of mind to make adjustments and it, and it is different from boxing because you also have shins flying at you and take down opportunities and elbows and everything else so making adjustments is is not the same five minute rounds is not the same as a three minute round if you're in box trying to make adjustments and being able to take rounds off or take moments off and stuff like that in mma you're on for the whole five so this last fight i just started feeling that that comfort um so i think that's going to make a big difference going forward and let me let me ask you real fast i missed it when you first said it with the the broken hand was that before this last fight yeah, yeah, it was okay. about four and a half weeks out. It wasn't, it wasn't broken. I'm not going to make it more dramatic. It was, it was a, it was a fracture. I mean, that's still cast just it up, bad sometimes. Yeah, couldn't, uh, yeah, couldn't, couldn't grip a hundred percent. So, couldn't fight hands super well or get the waist lock super well. But in the fight, it was, it was good. So, um, yeah, no shame in that, man. Sorry, say again. I said, no shame in that, man. Like you won the fight, you did good. You just can't complain about injuries yeah. if you lose the fight in this sport. That's the unfortunate thing. You, you go out there and you have everything going against you. You you got a divorce and then you got a broken, you know, this and your your MCL is like torn and and you lose a fight. You got to just be like, okay, I did my best, guys. I'll see you later. And you, you got to just take it. You won the fight, so you have more power to you for going out there and, and fighting like that. And uh, no no shame in it in saying what you know what happened during your camp. Same thing with Habib. I knew before Habib had a, a crap, crappy camp, you know, and like, you know, he, the same thing when he went to Gaethje fight. It, it's unbelievable that he showed up and fought like that. But and then we talked about yeah. it afterwards. So, um, yeah, no shame in that at all, man. And I just want to say that uh, you had a fantastic fight, your last fight, man. And, and I, I tell you, when I saw it, I just had to get you on the podcast. And uh, I, I just see big things for you happening. I, I hope you get these big fights now. And I'm going to continue watching you, you rise on the, in the ranking and in the division. And, and I'd love to have you back on when those fights come up and, and you get ready to, to, to prepare for those fights and get updates and see how you're doing and, and, and keep you a part of the show, man. Thank you, brother. It'd be my pleasure to come on anytime, man. I'm a, I'm a big fan of yours and watching you for years. So anytime, uh, anytime you want to chat, this is, uh, is a pleasure for me. Great, man. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for coming on. My pleasure. Thank you.
All right, Gavin Tucker, uh, great to have him on the show. Uh, you know, it's good to have these guys that, that are coming up and, 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 you know, show so much potential. I truly think he's going to be a force in this division, and, and I want to grow with him. So when I saw him fight, I'm like, I got to get him on the show now and talk to him now and, you know, get to know him and get to, to, to hear his story and how he got to this place because I think where he's going – is is up and i want to keep a relationship with him and keep getting him back on the show as he's going up and then just continue this uh relationship so i think we accomplished that i think we've got to talk about some really cool stuff and uh he's definitely uh he's definitely doing what he needs to do i mean he's working hard uh he's taking care of himself he's training the right way he's 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 sacrificing you know he doesn't have any vices he doesn't have any thing to get him sidetracked he's just focusing on training and and, and studying and I think he's something uh, that people should look up to or someone that somebody should look up to that's coming up. So I uh, hope you enjoyed the podcast. Hope you took from it. Please leave a comment on YouTube. Let us know what you think. Um, if you haven't watched Bob Sapp podcast, that's going to be posted as of right now, which was like two days ago by the time this shows. So check that one out. It'll be uh, on the very end screen here when this one's over. Um, that was a crazy podcast. If you didn't catch it, uh, absolutely crazy. Bob the B. Sapp, the first superstar of mma and now things are coming full circle with him and these uh these new celebrity entertaining boxing matches that, that have just started so great podcast two straight hours with the beast face to face in studio catch that one um all the luck to gavin thank you guys for watching thanks for all the support and we'll see you next time